Hello, everyone, and welcome again to an in-conversation piece for the Foundation for Education Development, the Fed, who always looks down the long-term avenue for education in the long, uh, long lens, one might say. I'm thrilled today to have with me in conversation David Harkin, who's CEO of 8 Billion Ideas, who are an international organization, and in 2020, they are the largest ed tech investment in the, the this sector. So I'm really pleased, David, to have you today with us to talk for with us in the next 10 minutes or so. And I'd like to start off our conversation, really. You know the about a long-term lens in education, doing things with a view in education. So what are your thoughts about that long-term lens in education? Well, thank you for having me, Carl. And, and I think, you know, without a long term vision, I mean, you, we're all shooting in different different directions. So I think we must always start there. I remember Winston Churchill, one of the quotes uh, I heard back about um, uh, about Winston was that decisions should be made with a 25 years lens and then you work back and work out where you want to go. And I remember that sticking with me. So I was a history graduate and that's where the, the, the Winston Churchill uh, piece comes out. Uh, but it's exactly what we need in education now. We need to be thinking long term. Um, you've got so many passionate people, over a million people work in the sector in the UK. Uh, that's teachers, the supporting. And then you've got tens of millions of people outside it who are passionate about education. But collectively, we have to all come together with that, uh, that consensus or that long term vision. Doesn't mean we're all going to agree, but at least if we've got an idea where we want to go, that's a good starting point. Then you can plot the journey about how we're going to get there. Absolutely. It's been a really tough year for all of us, hasn't it, in, in different ways. And, and COVID has really helped people perhaps think differently about whatever it is they're doing. So what are your thoughts uh, as we come out of COVID on the sort of things that we need to look at and do? Well, look, there's been a paradigm shift in inside education, outside education. I think it's easy to forget that behind every school um, is a school leader, behind every business is a business person. Um, you've seen outside of the sector, you've seen industries destroyed, uh, you've seen industries redefined, you've seen industries created though. So there's a world of new opportunity despite the, the, the issues um, in, in, in the economy. Um, but equally within, uh, within the education sector, you've seen, um, you've seen schools move from what I kind of call Model A, what they used to do, to Model B, what they're doing now. And there's some amazing stuff going on right now under our noses some great examples of innovation across the sector and i think now is the time to have that long-term vision but to get really excited i know it's hard i know it's difficult um you know we're all suffering from the the, the longevity of the fatigue just being linked to covid but now is the exciting time to really be plotting and planning the future taking the best out of model a the best out of model b creating model c like the, the kind of schools that we want to create but it's got to be a complete team effort and I don't think there'll ever be a chance uh, again to, to really mix things up in, in, a, in a positive way and it's not being negative on what's been done in education so much good stuff but we do need to accelerate now against against our long-term vision and really go grab it this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for all of us to go work together on that long-term vision you're right in saying that, that that certainly as we come out of the pandemic, one hopes in the months to come it's an opportunity over the next year or 18 months or so to take stock of what's been achieved so far let's say this is in education for example this conversation and where we need to go and, and and think that actually what we need to do and what we need to get to is some, something that 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 lives over uh, a cycle not just up to five years which is the traditional political cycle but perhaps but what are your thoughts on that 
Yeah, I, I kind of always imagine sometimes like, you know, there's 1.3 million people working in education. What would you do with uh, getting everybody on board and heading in the right direction? Well, you certainly wouldn't be making decisions on cycles. You would be looking at it over a long, a long term, uh, long term period. I think the, the dangerous card is that we, we spend too long sometimes with this long term vision. We, we, I, feel like, I feel like collectively we're nearly there and we need to kind of set it in stone and, and, and everybody needs to buy into it. And then we need to move into implementing it and there's two types of change right there's transformational change or incremental change now transformational change is when the whole system needs to be ripped up and replaced and sometimes you see businesses going through transformational changes or schools uh, which are which are really struggling um, and then incremental change is when you've got something good that you you want to improve I, I believe there's something in the middle right i think it's kind of accelerated incremental changes i don't believe we need a, a complete transformation in, in education i think we need an evolution of what's going on but equally we can't kind of sit and just let things kind of drift along a lot over the next couple of years years are going like like that we have to have pace with our change now and that's why i think once we have that long-term vision year on year we should be accelerating as much as we possibly can be the sector compared to other industries is really different because because you have that cycle of terms three terms a year they don't budge it happens Actually, decision making and opportunity for change is very little, particularly within a school or a wider set of schools, because you've always got the start of term, the end of term, half term. There's always things which are happening where businesses might be operating 252 days a year, every day of the working week. There's much more opportunity for, for kind of transformation or accelerated incremental change to happen. You've got a cycle, a cyclical nature in education, which makes it difficult. Therefore, once you're committed to change, you have to drive it by hook or by crook and find a way of moving forward. Mm. You, you mentioned change there, and, and, and uh, certainly uh, in our lives, we've seen the pace of change really increase. Uh, technologies, the upcoming 12-month consultation report for the Fed will highlight four particular areas of change over one is COVID and the impact of COVID and how we recover from that and the changes in the system that will become apparent. Another one is Brexit, the impact of Brexit, particularly on the skills market uh, across the country and what we do to, 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 to deal with that, that challenge. Another one that you've highlighted is technological change and the pace of technological change, which we have seen in schools only in the last couple of uh, uh, half, half year as that's accelerated and what will come in the coming years to come. And then, of course, uh, devolution and how regional and national agendas are operating in our country and possibly uh, uh, waiting for the, 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 the white paper on devolution from the government in the future, how that will be further driven. So we've got those challenges that we are anticipating over the next decade. And one might say they are opportunities. How do you feel that some of those education system so look in every i think what happens in a crisis it kind of refocuses everybody on or it certainly focuses some people on what the opportunities um, are there and I, I think those four thread sounds um uh, uh sound about about right what, what needs to happen if you just look at the technology thread you know six months ago you know it, it's very different from school to school access and access but if you kind of imagine you're in a utopia world where everybody does have access to a device isn't it quite exciting that maybe a child isn't limited to their location or when it comes to work experience anymore, that they don't, because they're based in maybe a remote part of the UK, that um, 
they can only go to whoever's in their town or the, the careers department can potentially organize. In fact, they can open their laptop and do work experience with a multinational company, right, anywhere in the country. I think that's really exciting for a young person that they're not going to be limited anymore by, by, by potentially location. Does it mean all the barriers of entries to potential jobs are going to change? I think there's one big area that does need to, to, to be, we, we need to be hooked up much closer to, to businesses and the skills required. You know, you're seeing the rise of the freelancer, you're seeing the rise of the micro business, the startup. Schools produce more entrepreneurs than any other profession, but it's not a strategic high up on the agenda at all at the moment across the sector, which is which is quite quite surprising. I think we we start career education far too late. And I, I actually don't want to be talking about career education, I want to be talking about passion. I want to know what children are passionate about because I feel like we can unpick that a lot more in our schools. You know, I, I don't think a child at 18 should maybe know exactly what they should do, but I certainly think a child at 18 should know what they're passionate about. You know, I don't think that's an unreasonable request for somebody who's been, or 16, who's been in uh, formal education for a number of years, that they can't articulate the three or four things that really kind of get them out of bed every single morning. If you focus on that, what will happen is that will light a fire in a young person. Uh, their pathway will become slightly more clearer. They'll end up going finding a career directly or indirectly linked to that passion and ultimately be happier. Um, and if you're happier, you're going to be more productive and be more productive. Our businesses and indeed our schools will uh, flourish. So I feel like there needs to be, you know, we need to cut through the noise with this whole skills discussion. Right. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of big words being used by people. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of young people are frightened that they don't have the skills. Well, equally, I actually think there's a myth that sometimes I think maybe they have got the skills. I think they're being they're being put into a corner without being given a. A chance. I mean, there's a lot of noise we need to demystify there because our schools are doing a lot of things very, very well. And I actually think this generation, this COVID generation, isn't the catch-up generation. I think it's the game-changing generation, which will benefit from the changes in education. And actually, I think their their current skills will be more suited in the economy, which is going to be coming out of a, of a pre-COVID period. Yeah, no, that, that's that's, that's, a question, Carl. I think I've gone off on that. Absolutely, on absolutely. Own. Yeah, okay. look. Lots of there because who knows? We we haven't got that crystal ball. We don't know what the ten years will bring. But you are right to say that that we should avoid using the idea that this COVID generation is a lost generation. It's not. It's got great opportunity. And only this morning, I was on a video call with business people who were telling me that that the jobs market actually is not as bad as we we hear on the TV media it's actually starting to grow and there are different types of jobs coming out of it and different opportunities now i suppose one final question for me david if you could take your young son with you and go take the tardis with him for for, for, for an hour and go somewhere 10 years in the future stand on a hill and look back over what would you like to see what for him what are your dreams and aspirations of how education will develop well, uh, yeah, so I was, uh, when the Fed asked us to do a blog, I, I, I took the angle of, of, of thinking about exactly that question, Carl. Toby, my, my son is four years old now. He's, he's an August baby. So he, he spent his first term in, in reception. A year ago, he, he couldn't speak just at the age of three because he had, um, he had issues with his ears and, and had grommets which allowed to fix it. And by Christmas, he was flourishing, right? He was beginning, you know, his language was improving. And it made me really think when I uh, was getting engaged with Phil about what do I actually want for, for him? So I've been a passionate educationist, like I'm a business owner, I'm an entrepreneur, I've come from the background of um, you know, tech before this working 
in a large corporate. And I was kind of like, I'm on the same bandwagon as everybody else. So one change, but can I be a little bit clearer on what I want it to be? And a couple of big areas which are crying out for me. So when, when it's 2034 and Toby's 18 and we're having a drink to celebrate his birthday, I hope he's leaving an education system which is more focused on passions, okay? Unlock, firstly, I believe there should be passion departments, big passion departments in schools, helping a child get carried away and exploring those passions, okay? Not necessarily, yeah, that, that's number one. Number two, uh, I hope the sector really begins to appreciate time because time does count. Marginal gains um, is, not, is, very, is, is not really talked about still in education. Time is the biggest problem in education. So if we can find a lot of time, we can, we can fix things back. But I, I find like the tiny and the small ideas, they're kind of acknowledged but not really acted on. And people don't seem to think that, you know, a five minute saving for a million people in education is, is five million minutes of time, right? Um, so I think we really, I hope by that point, there's, there's a real focus on marginal gains on time. It's like taking, you know, learning from industries such as sport, um, elite businesses, which, which kind of seek it day in, day out, because that will solve a lot of the problems. And I guess that the third area would be, um, you know, being braver in agile, more agile environments, the way that schools are set up. We haven't really seen too many schools trying to break the status quo from the way that they're organized. And I think there are better ways that they can be organized. And I guess those two latter points, more agile setups in education and more appreciation for marginal gains. By just looking at those in more depth, what that will do is create a lot more time. And I think if we create a lot more time, what that will allow is the, the brilliant passionate educationists in our schools in the UK is to go create those memorable lessons, those, those things that they wanna do, but rather than rushing from, from lesson to lesson, you know, imagine that time if we really built that, built that back. I also hope, and I'll get off, I'll finish off from point number four. I hope everybody realizes that children just aren't educated in schools. There is so much of a burden on our head teachers to just do magic, right? Our head teachers are running a, a PL, they are running their staff body, they've got parents, they've got children, they're expected to work miracles, but a child is only at school for 15% of their waking hour. We have a societal issue around the rest of it, that 85% time. What are we doing on our media? What are we doing on social media? What are we doing on television? You know, why can't a child go to two schools, you know, anymore, a physical and a virtual school? You know, these are the kind of things that I hope have really. I hope we've debated them. They're just some of my opinions today. They're not necessarily right or wrong, but it's putting some ideas into the melting pot for, for just healthy discussion. And I just hope that collectively, um, when we look back at the, the legacy of the Fed in a few years time, it, it, it did create that melting pot of discussion. It helped create that long-term vision. And then it created the steps to go make that a reality. So that's what I want by the time it's 20, that's 14 years away, Carl, that's a long time. We should we should be able to change generate education in that, in that period of time. Thanks, David. David Harkin of 8 Billion Ideas, thank you very much. Thank you, Carl.